0: Mark chapter 7 beginning at verse 31. Are you there when you have to say amen. amen? Okay, what I want you to know is we're going to cover a large passage today, a very large uh, amount of text. And so I won't be doing the step-by-step, verse-by-verse, exegetical teaching that I normally do, but instead what I want to do today is there's one central theme that runs throughout this whole passage, and I want to raise that theme for, for you for your consideration this morning. I've titled this message today, Barrier Breakers, Barrier Breakers. Before I give you a definition of, of a barrier breaker and how it emerges from our text today, I want to give you a couple other definitions that, that you need to know. The dictionary defines a barrier as any circumstance or obstacle that keeps people apart. And it it uh, defines a breaker as uh, a person or a thing that breaks something. I mean, just just simple. So my working definition today for, for this text, and you won't find it in the dictionary, is of a barrier breaker is a person who is willing to do whatever is necessary to remove obstacles that keep people apart. A person who is willing to do whatever is necessary to remove obstacles that keep people apart. Everybody say barrier breakers. Barrier breakers. Yeah. So from our text today, Begin at verse 31, I'm going to kind of narrate this, and we'll read some of the passage, but but I want to kind of narrate what's going on here. If you remember, Carl Dennis, a couple weeks ago, talked about Jesus' encounter with the Syrophoenician woman. And he said to you that because of the posture of her heart, she was able to see Jesus do some amazing things for her because of the posture of her heart. Well, after this encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, Jesus leaves Tire, and he heads north through through through, uh, uh, along the Mediterranean coastline, the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. He heads north, and he he journeys through Sidon, which is uh, the city right next to it, and then he comes out of Sidon and heads down southeast around Galilee, uh, through the region of Decapolis, and then heads back up. uh, I guess that would be. Northwest, or, yeah, northwest to the, the border of the Sea of Galilee. And so he's resting there on the Sea of Galilee. He nestles there on the eastern side there in the region of Decapolis in a very mountainous area. Now, we don't see this in our text today, but here's what happens. Matthew chapter 15, the parallel text here, verse 29 and 30 tells us that, that Jesus went from that seashore up to the side of the mountain, and he sat there in a place overlooking the entire scene. He sat there. And Jesus watches as the crowd begins to gather. He watches it. And they're coming for one reason. They're coming to see Jesus. You know, last week, the Republican National Convention kicked off in Ohio. And yeah, and thousands of people came from all across the globe. They converged on this convention center in Cleveland. Uh, and they did it to hear one man. To hear one man promise them hope of a better future. One man promised them a better tomorrow for, for this nation and for the world. Promises of a more stable future for our children and our children's children. Promises of a better health care system for the sick and the afflicted. Promises of a better life for the poor and for the disenfranchised. Fr- franchise. Promises of peace and safety for, for our country and its citizens. Promises to escalate and accelerate the war against terrorism in our country and around the world. Promises, promises promises. The convention lasted three days. Three days. And at the end of the three days, the Republican candidate for president, Donald Trump, turned with his entourage, his disciples, walked off the stage. Balloons went up in the air. Confetti fell. People were like all like, woo. They were happy. A few hours passed by, and the convention is over. Nothing substantial has changed. Tomorrow, the, the Democratic National Convention convenes, and the same thing will happen. The Democratic candidate will get up. She'll talk. She'll wow us with her rhetoric. She'll, she'll say things that she wants us to hear, promises will be made, this too will last three days, and then it will come to an end. I had the talkative audience today. And then the Democratic candidate for president, Hillary Clinton, will do the same thing. She'll turn she'll walk off the stage, she'll take her entourage, balloons will go up, confetti will drop, people will hoot and holler, and in a few hours it will be done. Nothing substantial would have changed. Hmm. Nothing will have changed. Our need for change will still exist when this is over, and here's why. Because the answer to the world's needs family is not political. The mess we're in cannot and will not ever be resolved politically. Our world is in a mess. I said this a couple of weeks ago and I, I, I think it bears repeating. The problem we have at its core is not racial, it's not uh, cultural, it's not religious, it's not socioeconomic, it's not political. The problem at its core is spiritual. The battle that we are fighting is a spiritual battle. The battle that we're fighting is against sin in this world. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 12, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The battle, family, is spiritual. It's a battle against sin. Sin has erected a barrier between the will of God and the will of man in this earth, in this world. And as a result of sin, we become divided by cultural and ethnic and gender and all other types of issues that were never meant to keep us apart. Never. These barriers that have presented have created a deep need, a deep, deep need for change. The answer to the need... In this world is Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ has the power to change our circumstances. Yeah? Watch this. The hope of Christ in this world is the church. The hope of Christ in this world is you. And I, racial tension, terrorism, poverty, sickness, disease, they're all symptoms of a greater need. It's a need for Jesus. People need Jesus, and the only Jesus that they will see will be the Jesus in you and me. And then as Jesus lives out his life through us, it's his power that enables us to break through the walls that divide us so that we can get to the need. In our text today, we're going to experience the intense compassion of Jesus that, that destroyed every physical, spiritual, psychological, relational, and geographical barrier that stood in his way of meeting the needs of the people that he came to serve. And here's what I want you to know today. This is, this is what, this is, don't miss this, man. This is for you. There are no barriers that exist today that can keep God from meeting your needs. There are no barriers that exist today that can keep God from meeting your need. The compassion of Jesus produced immediate change in the world around him. And listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to live lives of compassion for others just like Jesus did, just like he did. Jesus wants to meet your need so that you can meet the need of others. So if you don't take anything else away from this message today, I want you to take this away with you. You are called to be a barrier breaker. You are called to be a barrier breaker. Turn to the person next to you and... Yeah, turn to the person next to you yeah. Turn, you don't have nobody next to you, but turn the person next to you and say, you are called to be a barrier breaker. Yeah. So three things I want to discuss with you. To be used as a barrier breaker requires three things, and they're all found right here in this text. Here's the first. To be a barrier breaker, we have to have the compassion of Jesus for all people. Everybody say all. all. All people. Now, there's a chronological timeline that's not mentioned in the Bible, but as close as I can figure, several months have passed since the feeding of the 5,000. Several months have passed since the feeding of the 5,000. If you recall, it wasn't just 5,000 people. In numbers, it was actually somewhere around 20,000 or more. And you recall from, from when we taught this previously that, that, that Jesus had gone into a ship with his disciples and he was trying to get to the other side because he was grieving the loss of his first cousin, John the Baptist. Remember that? But as he was traveling along the sea, the people saw him in the boat and they followed him to the side of the shore where he landed. And when he stepped off the boat, 20,000 people were there. And then Mark tells us in in chapter 6, verse 30, he says, And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So here we are again. Now Jesus is sitting on the side of the mountain. He has a bird's eye view of this crowd that's beginning to amass. And that same compassion swells up in him. This crowd now has swelled up to, to, to 4,000 men. 4,000 men. And again, it's believed that this is, this is men, just men, the, 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 the actual crowd size is probably, once again, around 20,000 people comprised of men and women. But listen to me now. This crowd was very different from the other one. This crowd was far more diverse than the first crowd. This crowd was comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. As a matter of fact, my research tells me that this was probably one of the most ethnically, culturally, religiously diverse crowds that had gathered to hear one person speak in possibly hundreds of years. The wealthy, the poor, the healthy, the sick, male, female, God-fearing, pagan, Jew, and Gentile, they had all come and converged on this seashore to meet Jesus. Then the parallel passage in Matthew says that that the crowd came to him bringing to him their lame and the blind and the cripple and the mute and the many others and they placed him at Jesus' feet and he healed them all. Everybody say all. All. I want you to hang down on a peg because I'm going to come back to it in a minute. I'll come back to it later. He healed them all. But Mark gives us a narrative that's that I think is really insightful because Mark, instead of focusing in on the entire crowd, Mark draws a picture of the, of the personal touch of Jesus. Let's look at what he says in verse 32 of chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 32. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Now, at face value, that seems like, you know, maybe just the average statement, but, but let me tell you, this phrase here, death and speech impediment, the word used to describe this condition is only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. And the only other time that it's mentioned is in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 35, verse 6, that speaks to the promise of the coming Messiah to rule on the earth. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. Look what Isaiah says. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And then I like this part. I put it in there because because I like it. It sounds like us. (laughs) For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. That sounds like light spring, doesn't it? You yeah, just want to add that in there. So let me tell you something. That's, let me tell you something, man. Hang on. Because this is who we are. We are going to be a river in a desert <laughs> and a stream in the desert taking a cool drink of living water to every single person God brings into our, into our purview. That's us. Yeah. So, so they bring this man to Jesus to be healed. I don't want you to miss this. There are many people that need our help to get to Jesus. There are many people that need our help to get to Jesus, man. There are people in this world that are so confined behind the barriers that behind the barriers that are in their life that they can't break through. They can't get to Jesus for themselves. And God wants to send us as barrier breakers to get them out from behind that wall and bring them to Jesus. Yeah. So that's what happened here. So they brought this man to Jesus. Here's what's dicey about that, man. Sometimes to break down barriers, we have to set our needs aside to help the needs of others and to help bring them to Jesus, and that's not always easy. Is it? People are tripping, man. Everybody say, people are tripping. So, so I, I guess it's probably like two years ago now. I'm in a hurry because every now and then I do get in a hurry. Yeah. And that's a picture of me at the DMV in my truck. And so, and so I, 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 I drove through the parking lot and I saw this one spot, if you've ever been to the DMV, you know that sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to find parking there, right? So I found this one, yeah, now I know why it was open. Yeah, I found this one spot and I pulled into there and I said, Greg, mental note, man, mental note, mental note, there's a barrier here And when you're in the truck, you can't see it because it's below the window. And so you look out and you don't see anything. And so, you know, I'm trying to get back to work and everything. And I get in my truck and start it up. And guess what? I forgot that barrier was there. And that's what happened. Ran right into it. Y'all laughing. That wasn't funny that day, man. I was like... <laughs> And you can't see it when God sends you to them, but they're there. And, 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 and as God shows you that barrier and you bump up against that barrier, man, you can, you can be damaged by that. Yeah. And if you have a barrier in your life, and and you've forgotten it's there. That damage is holding you back from the best that God has to offer. So here's the point. When God sends you into the life of someone to break down a barrier in their life, if things don't go the way you think they should, they don't respond the way that you think they ought to respond. I'll talk about this in a minute. Listen, don't you start putting up walls. Don't start putting up your own barriers. God wants to continue to use you in the life of others. You guys stay with me? Yeah, if you accidentally run into these barriers, they can do some damage to you. But in spite of that, it's the will of God for us to have compassion for all people, all people. You know, interesting side note here, they bring, they're about to bring this man to Jesus. They bring this man to Jesus, and it is highly probable that this man is a Gentile. And so his disciples have a chance to watch Jesus step out of his Jewish tradition to heal a man that's a Gentile. Wow. Wow. God wants to use us in that way too. But here's the key. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit on who, when, and how to engage. Yes? So to be a barrier breaker, we first have to have the compassion of Jesus for all people. And then next, to be a barrier breaker, we have to keep our focus on the main thing. We got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Everybody say, keep the main thing. The main thing. I was having fun with this when I was practicing. Like, you know, I got a predominantly, we have a predominantly white church. And I was like, there are people like saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. No, man, keep the main thing, the main thing. Everybody say, keep the main thing, the main thing. Hey. Yeah, that's what I like. Right. Uh, you know, as I just think about this. I, I, I want to illustrate this. I need to illustrate this. I need, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to choose somebody that, that won't get mad. <laughs> Tommy. 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 Okay. Amen. Now, for the sake of illustration, I get to be Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he said, thank you, Jesus. And you get to be, you get to be the man that's, that's deaf and mute, all right? Watch this. I mean, de- watch this, man, watch this, watch this. Jesus does like six things. The first thing Jesus does, when they bring this man to him, Jesus sees the commotion in the crowd, and Jesus says, hey, man, come with me. looks around, nobody there. And Jesus pulls him away to personally minister to his needs. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Jesus pulls him away to give him a personal touch. Listen, if we're going to be barrier breakers, family, we can't break barriers from a distance. Requires a personal touch. Jesus pulls the man away. The second thing he does is he gets in his face and, and he, he, he lets him know through sign language what I'm about to do. So Jesus, he puts his hands in his ears and he puts his hand in the, his fingers in the guy's ears. Right? And then the next thing Jesus does is he spits in his hand. <laughs> and he says, open your mouth. Open your mouth, Tommy. <laughs> you want to be healed, brother? Open <laughs> He's like, no, nah, Jesus. I ain't. Nah. This, is, this is where the illustration end right here, man. I ain't having none of that. No, but he spits, he spits in, his, in his hand and he lets the guy see this because see, back in the first century Mediterranean era, spit was, was used for medicinal purposes, right? So Jesus is saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm doing something here. So he spits in his hand and then, and then he looks up to the sky as if he's saying, I can't do this on my own, Father. I can only do what you empower me to do. There's a message in that. As barrier breakers, we cannot do this on our own. We have to, we have, to have the power of God. You know, like, so he looks up, talks to his father, says to the man, in Aramaic, which is the street language of the day. So the man can understand what Jesus is saying to him. He's up close and personal. Spits, puts it on his tongue, says a patha, boom. The man's eyes or the man's ears are open and his speech is perfect. Hmm? See, I can get stuck right here, but I got to move on. Thank you, Tommy. Give everybody to give Tommy a hand. So immediately at Jesus' command, the man's ears were open. His tongue was loose. He could speak clearly. There was no speech learning curve for this guy. The moment Jesus healed him, he spoke perfectly, and the people went crazy. The people went crazy, man. I can just, thank you, Jesus! I can just see it. You know, you know how they go. <laughs> because, listen, it's human nature to rejoice when we see something miraculous, isn't it? Yeah, but Jesus commanded them. He said, man, listen, listen. Hold, your, hold, hold this, man. Hold it. Be silent. But the more he told them to be silent, the more they kept proclaiming him. I love enthusiasm. I love, I love celebrating what God has done. But this is the problem at this moment with Jesus. Jesus still needed to advance his ministry throughout the region of Decapolis. And he didn't want to be regarded as just a popular healer or miracle worker. And so in that moment, Jesus had done a good thing, a miraculous thing. And in their frenzy, these people had become so focused on the miracle that they missed the Messiah. They missed the point and the purpose of the miracle. I was praying about this, man, I, and, and the Lord didn't have me take it out of my nose, so I know it must be somebody. It's for somebody. Listen, you know, sometimes, sometimes we can do good for people and they missed the point of why we're doing it. And it can turn into something entirely different than what we meant it to be when we did the good. And it can become hurtful. It'll cause us to not want to reach out and bless people anymore. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You put up that wall and say, not me, no way, never again. Come on, somebody, you know I'm telling the truth. Listen, if we're going to be a barrier breaker, we have to keep focus on the main thing. And the main thing always, when we are hurt, it's not the person. It's the principality. And see, what happens is the enemy in that moment, (laughs) Um, it's an inside joke, (laughs) If you weren't growing deeper, you know what I was talking about. In that moment, the enemy takes what that, what that person has done, gets us all spun up over the stuff that that person's done, get us focused on the person, and the thief, who comes not but for to steal, kill and destroy, is gone on in his business, and we're still spending five, 10, what we The battle is spiritual. Sometimes you can do good for people and they miss the point. They turn a good gesture into something entirely different. Don't erect walls in your heart. Remember, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. It leads me to my third and final point. Do what Jesus tells you to do and leave the results to him. Amen. Amen. Man, this story here, 8 verses 1 through 3. We're talking about the feet of the 5,000. The focus of the man Jesus doesn't understand. Now he's the on the, the 5,000. And in those days when again the great crowd had gathered, they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and he said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days. Remember the three days? Three days. And they have nothing and if I send away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. Some of them come from far away. Let me tell you something, there's trouble brewing here. There, there's, there's trouble brewing here. You've got this diverse crowd. Many have traveled from far away. This time they are in a more desolate place than the ones that were part of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was long-winded. He talked them for three days, and their food had run out. <laughs> Am I off? Man, yes, yes. here, Tom, you can have this. Thank you, brother. Since I'm derailed and sidetracked, I might as well like go with it. You know. <laughs> I thank, God, I thank God for the people who do this and keep the sound. You never really know that there's an issue until there's an issue, huh? Because we, we have great people doing the work of ministry. So, so the people are hungry, they're tired, they have nothing to eat. How many of you have ever taken a real long trip and you're tired at the end of that trip? And so you go and you try to get something to eat, but you can't find anything to eat because you're so hungry, you don't know what you want to eat. Miserable, isn't it? That's what was happening here. The people had no food. They had nowhere to go. They had nothing. So it's this, this disciples come up to Jesus and say, hey, man, what do we do, Jesus? And Jesus tells him this. He says, you sit them down. How many loaves do you have? We have seven And we have a few small fish. Jesus says, I'll bless it. I'll bless it. But you take it to them. I'll bless it. But I want them to see these Jewish men ministering to their need no matter what race or culture or religion or not or gender, or socioeconomic status. You feed them. Wow. And the same holds true for us today. The same holds true for us today. Right? Verse 8. And they ate, let me go back a little bit. And they had a few small fish, Verse 7, and having blessed him, he said, that these also should be set before them. And they ate, and they were satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. satisfied. Hmm. And they took up the broken pieces left over. Seven baskets full. These weren't the same baskets at the feeding of the 5,000. These were the size of baskets that, that were used when, when Paul was let down from the window to escape Persecution. And there were about 4,000 people. And watch this. And he fed them, and he sent them away. Here's what you need to know. I said this before, and I'll say it again. There are no barriers that can keep God from meeting your need. All we have to do especially when God wants us to meet the needs of others, is do what he tells us and leave the rest to God. So, last week was the Republican National Convention. This week is the Democratic National Convention, and you can spend three days getting spun up with uh, conventions and current events and end up empty, unfulfilled, full of unmet promises, and the world will still remain unchanged. Or you can take that same time, spend it in prayer, and spend it with Jesus, and have all your needs met, and leave completely satisfied and empowered to make a difference in the world that we live in. Mitch, if you'll come to the piano. I want to close with this question. Actually, there are two questions. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking. If you're not saved and you don't know Jesus Christ, what barriers in your life have kept you from embracing the good news of Jesus, from surrendering your life to Him? Maybe it's past hurts. Maybe it's a bad experience in another church. Maybe it's a relationship. I don't know. But in this moment, as you search your heart, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, ask Him. Because for you, not being a follower of Christ makes the difference between spending eternity in glory Eternity separated from God in a very real, eternal, burning hell. This is not to scare you. Although if that's what you need, so be it. This is to get you to understand that you have a very real God who sent a very real son to be a very real savior to establish relationship with you. He gave his life. He bled and died for you. He wants to spend eternity with you. And today, if you walk out of this room without embracing the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you will be without an excuse. Whatever that barrier is that has prevented you from surrendering your life to Jesus. ask the holy spirit to remove that from you right now I'm not going to ask I'm not going to ask you to come front up front I'm not going to ask you to to say anything out loud but if you're here and that's you and you just gave your life to Jesus slip your hand up I want to see it for the first time that you gave your heart to Jesus I want you to open your eyes. Because here's the second question for you as followers of Jesus Christ Are there barriers in you or in your relationship with God or in your relationship with other people that need to be broken down? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see yours. I see yours stand to your feet. I believe it's Psalms 139. The psalmist cries out, Search me, Search my heart. Know what's in me. And if there's anything in my life, in my heart that is unlike you, take it out. For those of you who raised your hand and for those of you who didn't raise your hand, but you know you should have. I want you to join me in prayer because this is important. You don't have to pray this. You can pray something like this. Father, this is a Kairos moment for me. I clearly hear you speaking and I clearly see the barrier that has kept me from intimacy with you. Intimacy with others. a barrier Holy Spirit I'm asking you now by your power as I surrender this wall to you I'm asking you by your power to break this wall in my life I'm asking you to tear down this barrier that has kept me separated from my dad from my mom from my brother, from my sister, from my coworker, from my spouse. And now I'm asking you to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Father, I thank you for for life change that's occurred in this place. I thank you for your word. Help us to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.